We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your guest host, Doug Hoy. NCPA CEO, and today's a little bit different uh, in that Jeff Key, the CEO of Pioneer RX, is in the hot seat, along with Craig McEwen, the CEO of Red Sale, and of course their companies uh, just uh, merged together or acquired. So, Craig, Jeff, thanks for being on your podcast today. I'm glad to be on our podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Doug, for hosting us. My pleasure. Well, let's get to it. You know, so there's been this, there is this partnership, not only with NCPA and CPSN, but with independent pharmacy, this partnership from Pioneer. So how, how will things be different? How, how, how will that change with, with Red Sale, Francisco Partners uh, now? And in fact, that, that may actually be one of the places I think that'd be interesting for the, the viewers is talk about the actual structure a little bit. So Red Sale owned by Francisco Partners. Where does Pioneer fit within Red Sale? Is it is Pioneer change its name like like QS1 did? What uh, how will we refer to Pioneer going forward? Yeah, we think the Pioneer brand's awesome, and we think the the mission of Pioneer to save and revitalize independent pharmacy is perfect. And and so if you think about what 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 have we been doing uh, from a Red Cell perspective? So Red Cell purchased Smith Technologies. Um, part of the reason we changed the name to Red Cell is because the Smith family wasn't going to sell their, sell their name. Uh, so Red Cell purchased QS1, Integra, and also a non-pharmacy business called Public that was part of the Smith Technologies brand. And so Q, the QS1 brand uh, still very much exists in the, in the Integra brand, which is a brand that's it's more well-known than the long-term care pharmacy uh, space still very much exists. The Pioneer brand will not only exist, but you'll see us invest and help to make it thrive. We think it's a an incredibly important brand in the industry, and and in our opinion, one that that sh we should equate with innovation and transformation of the industry. And while while we will continue to uh, also accelerate and make aware of the Red Sail brand, we we definitely will be uh, helping Jeff continue to to expand the Pioneer brand. So Craig, and actually, you know, I'm sure some of the, many of the viewers, they know Jeff, although we're gonna wanna probe Jeff just a, a little bit. Um, but uh, before then, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I went on and did as much investigation as I could over the weekend about you. You're, looks like you're a Pittsburgh guy. I am um, at least. I'm, I'm in mourning from the game last night, but. Well, still what? Uh, I think they're uh it in two, but who's counting? Right, right. Although the last two games, but but anyway, no, they're they're well positioned. Well positioned. So tell us a little bit, tell the the tell me. Uh, this is the first time we've met. Yeah. So tell me, tell the the viewers a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm I am a Pittsburgh guy. I've lived out, out of this uh, Pittsburgh for a while. My wife and I have uh, two children and our families are both from the areas and um, it's an important part of our story. So um, 
uh, Pittsburgh's we, we call home base. Uh, my background uh, is really for the last 20 plus years in healthcare technology broadly, but um, uh, radiology and cardiology for about 10 of that and pharmacy uh, for the, the last 10 to 12 years. And um, been involved with three primary pharmacy technology businesses, uh, a business that we um, pulled out of McKesson in the health system pharmacy space uh, that we rebranded Ascent that was originally in robots and cabinet business. We transformed that business into an enterprise medication management software business and IV robotics business in, in the health system space. Um, most recently was the co-founder of a specialty pharmacy technology service business called Trellis RX. I still chair that board. Uh, and that's a Francisco owned owned business. And that, that business uh, was really focused on trying to transform how specialty care is delivered through uh, clinic, pharmacy clinical services and data. And um, really not a lot different in my in, in many ways, I think about um, the independent pharmacy market. We, we looked at the specialty pharmacy market and looked at CVS and Walgreens using a model that we knew was clinically inferior uh, for patients. And uh, we set out to prove that. And the company is doing extremely well proving that for health systems. And I think it's a very similar similar area in, 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 in independent pharmacy. One of the reasons why um, I've, I've worked with Francisco Partners for about the last 10 years is we really like to go into markets that we think uh, are important markets that uh, frankly deserve some disruption technologically. And uh, we think independent pharmacy is that. And, and we see uh, a market where the best clinical care is being provided, but not being uh, shined a light upon as, as much as you can. And we think, we think Pioneer is going to be an important part. And some of the investments we think would like to add to that uh, to help drive that. So that's probably a, a quick, quick tour around my background. Yeah, and we'll have more about Francisco Partners, or at least we'll have more questions about that. I, I think, and I do have one other question before we, we move over to, to Jeff for a second. And and that is, you know, Jeff, you invited me to do this reverse uh, podcast. And um, and at first, I was not sure I wanted to do it because I, I you know, we're not going to do We had some concerns when I heard that Pioneer had been sold, which has been a rumor for you know, a long time, or over at least over a year. At least I've heard some rumors that when I actually heard the news, I thought, "Oh man, here we go again." And so when you asked me to do this, I thought, "Well, I, I'm not willing to do some kind of cream puff yeah. interview because our members, because our members are interested, our members want to know." And and when I say "here we go again," it's really our members thinking that. And so, I, you know, I appreciate. I mean, you said that it, you know pretty much anything within reason goes here, and. I think that's important that that be said, that um, that that's the ground rules that yeah. you've you've established. You and Craig, uh, you yeah. or Craig and you and. So no cream puff interview. That means you left your fanny pack at home. Okay. <laughs> See, that's just those who want to know. But those who want to know about that have to look at our other podcast with Doug. So that's just a little teaser for there. If you want to learn about the fanny pack, go see the other podcast. And and if you the fanny pack was actually an army belt from the <laughs> Korean War, so it was as macho and tough as you can get for any eight year old kid. But that's find out for yourself, uh, Craig. So one key question yeah. that folks will have: so Pioneer, you know, has the mission to revitalize and save pharmacy, which yeah. I love that because that's that's in CPA as well. 
how does that change with Red Sail Francisco Partners ownership, or does it change at all? Or I mean, you alluded to it in your previous answer, but give give the the audience a, a sense to, you know, what does that stay the same? Is that uh, what what happens with that? The the Pioneer business is going to run uh, for all intents and purposes as an independent business within Red Sail, with a couple of caveats that I'll, that I'll talk about in a second. I think important uh, caveats, but the mission of Pioneer, um, I think one of the most important uh, things Jeff and I, our, our jobs is to make sure it doesn't change. Um, the mission of, we, we, we like Pioneer because of the purity of mission and, and the great technology. And, and when you go look at the, the customer loyalty scores, net promoter scores, they're world-class. Uh, that doesn't happen accidentally. I've, I've run a lot of businesses. Um, and so to, to me, uh, the mission, the technology innovation and the customer support model are, are, uh, uh, core to to the value we we knew we were we were buying, and so that that's really important. So that mission shouldn't shouldn't change. What we should do at the red cell level is add upon it. And I think you know you know we we're we're nine thousand locations strong now, and I think with that comes a responsibility. And the responsibility, in my opinion, is to uh, deal with the reality in the room in independent pharmacy. When when Jeff and I have talked over over the last few months, as we've been getting to know one another. If you if you look at look at our data, while we're competitors in the market, and Pioneer has done a great job in the market, an amazing job in the market, um, the number one competitor is stores closing and stores being sold to CVS and Walgreens. And I think our job as part of this is to leverage the investment uh, wherewithal that we have to really try to build the most clinically focused and cost-effective pharmacy network in the country. That's going to be a hard job, and that's going to require a lot of dollars and investment and strategy that Pioneer on its own doesn't have, or QS1 on its own doesn't have. Um, and one of the things we like ab about the independent pharmacy market, we think there's an opportunity to, to use uh, pharmacy management systems, and, and yes, to use some of the data to prove the clinical value of independent pharmacy in the United States, and then take that right back to pharma and take it right back to the payers and start shining a light on that and saying, you got to give us a seat at the table. But to do that, you're going to have to bring those 9,000 pharmacies to bear, in my opinion. Yeah, and, 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 and we're not a, Doug, you don't want to stand yeah. back and say, oh, we're a charity. You know, that's a, hey, we're a charity. We went and looked for some funding. We, one of my heroes, Zig Ziglar, said it best as he said, you can have anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. And 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 Pioneer's theme with the Saver and Vitalist Independent Pharmacy is if you can help them be successful, profits are going to come. It's going to be a side effect of that you're not going to be able to stop. And an interesting thing about this deal, and you, you can talk about rumors for, for a year or so, but... Pioneer X didn't go out to bid. They didn't get this book out there and say, hey, let's get the highest bidder. I get three people a week emailing me saying, hey, we're interested in talking about selling your company. The management team went to Morrison Dixon about a year ago and told them that we believed that we would benefit from different ownership. And, and we really looked out there. We had tried to buy uh, our, our, our combined with QS1 before Red Sale. And I think the, the Smith family had some concerns about the Dixons getting more power, whatever going on. This, that didn't happen. But um, we looked. Um, we talked to the, the, 
the the red cell group first of all just because they had qs1 and and we believe size is one of those things that you needed if we were going to save we didn't believe that we could do what we needed to do to save independent pharmacy in the time frame we had without some investment in dollars and with some type of secret sauce so people who had more experience etc um, we looked along with the dixons came along uh, with red cell there um the, the group that they chose to lead that are, are exceptional, and, uh, and, and it was a really good choice. So, Jeff, just you mentioned uh, Morrison-Dixon and the Dixon family, and, and I think probably most people watching this podcast may know that when you look at the Morrison-Dixon wholesaler company, the Dixons are, are the family that are still you know running the company. They've, they've run the company for over... I think it's 175 years. Yep. Does that sound? Yep. Sounds about right. So um, how just, how did they own all of Pioneer? Did they own kind of, what was that? I mean, to the extent, without getting way deep in the weeds, but that transaction, was that a 100% equity transaction, Francisco to the Dixons or yeah, kind of what was the, owner, the yeah, exact Pioneer, ownership structure? Pioneer own, was owned by Dixon Holdings, 100%. They... Um, the uh, a company called New Tech Computer Systems, uh, the parent of the current generation of Dixons, went to MIT back when computers were just getting started uh, after the Army, decided that pharmacy needed computers, created a company called New Tech Computer Systems to keep his kids out of the technology. Uh, that company grew into, uh, they had a, a pharm- one of the first pharmacy systems, not long after QS1 had theirs. Uh, and um, really successful to their customers, about 500 customers. They tried to rebuild that software a couple of times, weren't successful in it. They found me and brought me in and said, hey, can you build a Windows-based pharmacy system? I had some if, if, if. I had been reading good to great, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it unless your goal is to be the best. If you're just going to have a checkbox of Windows system, that's really not my next kind of goal in life. They bought off on it. Uh, I also said, hey, it needs to be wholesaler independent. So in this deal, I'm just an employee. So I, I plan to, you know, me, you know, a lot of people, you know, first text message I got, well, Jeff, are you staying? It's like, yeah, where am I going? I'm staying this week just like I was staying three months ago. Uh, so, uh, you know, my goal is to be here for however long the, that uh, we can continue to do what we need to do for, for the, the business. I can tell you I'm more excited now then, you know, kind of a, I don't know that anybody would call me low energy, but, but even more energy than have, because there's so many things that are possibilities now, so many levers and knobs to, and things to try to try to make the, everything better. You know, Jeff, um, I'm just going to read a few words that describe someone, um, visionary. Yeah. I'm a, okay. I was afraid for a moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Compared to Steve Jobs. Bullied as a child, grew up in South Africa. So I'm, of course, talking about Elon Musk here. And I bring that up because as I was thinking about this, again, many of the, the, much of the audience may know you or maybe they don't, but I was thinking about really some comparisons in the pharmacy world between you and Elon Musk. And, and here's where my head was going with that was, you know, visionary, um, and I think you've, you've, you have and have had a, a, a vision for the Pioneer system, which re- has really 
up the game for independent pharmacy. Um, so it's been a, bit, a big positive. Um, as Elon Musk has done with uh, electric vehicles and SpaceX and other things as well. Uh, but Elon, Elon Musk is, uh, is a controversial figure and within our small you know, pharmacy world, uh, you've been a lightning rod, certainly a lightning rod within the pharmacy management system vendors. Um, you have a strong personality. And um, in fact, the, the podcast that we did uh, a couple months ago was really, I saw you in a whole new light. I mean, sort of relaxed and, but, but you've been controversial among your, um, your, your peers, somewhat because you've created such a, a, a great product. Um, how is your personality gonna fit in with Red Sail and the Francisco partner, you know, private equity? How, how do you see that gelling or not gelling? So I love the Elon Musk example because kind of challenged me. I need to up my game. I need to, I need a little bit more crazy. I think right. And uh, I was just trying to think what do I what do I need to do to rise up to that example? You're not gonna you're not gonna smoke pot on this podcast, are you? Okay, no, I don't. Okay, so. well, okay, so Elon did, but uh, that yes. was in California. So in Louisiana or Texas or Virginia. Francisco Partners is in in San Francisco, so there's probably some leeway there. There you go. <laughs> Um, how am I, I mean, one of the things you'll see from, from, um, uh, from Red Cell is a desire to, if you look at some of the internal slides, you know, things do, do pioneer, no harm. Don't mess up pioneer. Uh, you know, if, 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 if change doesn't help them with their mission, don't do it. You know, so, so a lot of really, this team gets it. And, uh, I think with any kind of energy, you have a little bit of crazy, that comes in for better or for worse, you know, I would say about my peers, if they like me, I'm not doing my job. Um, You're doing a great job. That's probably a little bit of an apology for not being yeah. as kind as maybe I should be. Um, but, uh, but Hey, it, it's a competitive world and I'm a competitor. I think one of the things you'll learn about Craig is he's really competitive too. Uh, one of the interesting things, uh, you know, he's he's been pretty successful in his lifetime. You heard he, he created a specialty company and stuff like that. He, he doesn't need the money, right? He's uh, one of the things you learn about Craig is it. Uh, <laughs> we, we won't we won't show that to Chris, but yeah. but that he's really in there for the the market and the competitive. And and one of the things we found about Francisco Partners is they really believed that it's got everything's got you do's got to be a win. For, and, and I, I guess I could Craig, let Craig say some of these things, but for the employee, for the customer, and for the stockholder, and all that Craig says, stockholders come and go, but a smart company realizes that all three of that's got to be healthy. Um, company values based on two things. It's based on your profits, but it's based on multi multipliers, and multipliers depend on the health of, of your market. Craig, you mentioned that you guys have been talking back and forth a lot for obvious reasons. So um, early returns, how's the, the chemistry between between you two so far? Pretty good. You get a sense of humor, which I love. Uh, look, uh, Jeff's brilliant. I mean that sincerely. Uh, I, I, when Jeff and I were talking, I, I, you know, I've, um, uh, I've been in several – the company that I learned the most from when I was in was a company called MedRad. Uh, in the radiology and cardiology space. If you ever, ever want to go study a company that, that good to great was a book that we, we used religiously there. And 
That company grew over 20% top line uh, for 20 plus years, great profitability, world-class net promoter score in every region of the world uh, we were in. But I learned that culture was strategy um, uh, from that company. And uh, when we, when we make investments uh, from a Francisco partner standpoint, if you look at some of the, some of the pharmacy, you look at cover my meds, you know, cover my meds was, was and is still an incredibly innovative company. I told Jeff, <clears throat> Jeff, I've, I've started companies. I've been part of small companies, but I'm not an entrepreneur that you, when you sit and listen to Jeff, Jeff is the true entrepreneur uh, and visionary in this market. I think I'm really good at healthcare strategy and figuring out how to take uh, take these businesses and really add some fuel to the fire. And I really under, understand business operations and I understand customer processes. But I don't have the skill set that Jeff does uh, from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And so one of my jobs is to preserve and nurture that. You know, if you you go and you, you try to study a market and you try to study a business and you try to figure out, okay, who did things well and who did things not so well and how do I how do I prevent myself from doing dumb things as often as possible? One of my rules of thumb is how how do we put a structure in place to let let Jeff thrive? And part of my job is to, is, as the company grows, you have to put structure in place, right? And, and Jeff's got some great structure in place in Pioneer. Again, you don't get the net promoter scores that, that Jeff has without it, but you can't put a corporate structure in place that smashes the innovation and quells the, the, um, uh, the, the energy. I, 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 as the company grows, I, I have a theme on how do you continue to grow small? And I think that's what, one of the things we've got to think about as as we've purchased Pioneer and, and as we think about what the right structure is, Pioneer is growing rapidly. How do we continue uh, to nurture the business in a way that it continues to be able to grow small and feel like this energetic, vibrant company? You can't be in just present and, and not walk away uh, feeling energized, right? And that, that's that's what you want. And I think that's where the magic we've got to preserve. So Jeff, what about you? How's the chemistry on your side? Oh, I think it's great. I um, One of the ways that technology companies die is the owners look at it and, and go, oh my goodness, y'all made something. We got to come in here and protect it and and, and we got to fix it and, and organize it and all this stuff. And they bring in the MBAs and the MBAs add all this structure and overly and all the, the creative people kind of drift on to some other place. And, and that is exactly the opposite they didn't bring in a bunch of mbas you know really brought you know that team is really their experience multiple of them have had multiple companies that they started were successful i i think craig's selling him short by saying selling himself short by saying he's not an entrepreneur you know he's an idea guy he's hard working you know what what you want is somebody you're working for to work hard i, I tell a lot of times i try to get a hold of him he's at a customer site i mean he's in there he's got his arms rolled out if it wasn't COVID, he'd be feeling putting pills in a bottle right now. And and that kind of I admire. What you don't want is somebody coming in and peeking in your window and telling you where to put your furniture. I, I don't want that ever in my life. But, hey, you want to come live with me for a month and then give me advice where I put furniture? I love it. I love advice. Uh, I love ideas. Uh, if I thought we could do this on our own, I wouldn't have gone to the Dixons and said, I think we'd benefit from from ownership that knows how to buy things and knows how to 
knows how to put some gas on there. So I'm about to, one of the things I was thinking about as, you know, maybe I should go get an MBA, right? I don't have an MBA. Mine's electrical engineering and computer science. And I started looking around and then I thought about, I'm about to get an MBA, right? I don't, I don't need to go to school for an MBA. I'm about to, to get it. So I'm super excited about the things and every opportunity that I'm going to have to learn from the experiences of these guys. It's, it's a once in a lifetime. You don't often get that uh, kind of experience. So uh, one of the girls tells a story, uh, uh, Francis that's a, a, just some amazing people. She's their chief strategy officer. And the guy she worked for at McKesson in kind of her learning and growing stages was on the, the 21 group from MIT that uh, was counting cards and everything in Vegas. You know, this kind of sharp kind of people. And, and you just, you're getting around people who've been around sharp people and, and just the possibilities um, keep me up at night, right? I don't need an alarm. My goals wake me. So it's cool. You know, Jeff, um, on the podcast you did where you interviewed me, you, you, you know, asked me about some of my very early, uh, early days, kind of like, who am I, where did I start and all that kind of, you know, stuff. But so I know this podcast is not about, uh, about that. So I did a little bit of homework to kind of preempt. There's not a lot about you online, at least on your Facebook page. Um, you know, what I could glean from your Facebook page is yeah, I'm that a, I'm a Facebook voyeur. I apologize. Yeah. No, no, I, I can appreciate that. I think I've posted maybe three times in the last two years. So I, I no, no judgment here. Uh, looks like you're a Aerosmith, Steven Tyler fan and you like Ray-Ban sunglasses. Are those interesting? I'd say both of those are true. Yeah. I'm just saying this from your Facebook page. Uh, but as far as just a little bit about you, you're a Louisiana guy. You said Craig's a Pittsburgh guy. You're a Louisiana guy. Went to high school there. Went to both of your degrees there. Did you graduate from high school in the early 80s? Yes. 84. Okay. 84. You need to update your page. It has a different year. Uh-oh. Um, and then, like you said, you have a, um, a master's degree in um, computer systems technology. And then you're an electrical engineer too, which my wife being an engineer brings all kinds of preconceived stereotypes about engineers. And, oh, be careful um, there, Doug. <laughs> I know. That's, I'm married to one, so I understand. Yeah, I wife might um, watch this. And whoever has it, he still codes in the pioneer system. So those stereotypes might be might might have some element of truth. Well, you know, to teach to teach that course means I mean to be able to teach something means you're you're immersed in it and you really understand it. And you taught computer science at LSU for was four it years. five years? Four, four years. Four yep. Yeah. So give us just a little uh, again, I know this podcast is not, you know, who is Jeff Key, but you know, I don't know that the audience knows. I mean, I, they may know some of those things that I just mentioned. I don't I, know about the Aerosmith I feel there's stuff. a little payback going on here, right? A little so bit. We're, we're, looking little for a, bit. we're looking for a fanny pack story. I am looking for your fanny pack story <laughs> that I so generously gave up. I mean, I'm sure it spiked the viewership. Um, give folks just a thumbnail about, about Jeff and, uh, you know, things that, you know, just, again, growing up in Louisiana, what, kind of what's, what's the pathway that got you to pharmacy. Yeah, so got a degree in electrical engineering, got out of that and went to work for a company called Factory Mutual Engineering. It's a large risk insurer 
they insure people like General Motors, et cetera. And I worked on the side of the business that um, insures business interruption and equipment. So if you lose your computers, this is what happens. You lose this this device that you had to get in Germany at six month lead time. How much money you lost? Uh, a lot about business interruption. We analyzed. I got to visit all kinds of fun. Every day was a field trip. Stroh's Brewery was one of my accounts. You're learning all these processes and trying to figure out what what is the critical pathways where something broke. They're going to be down for a long time and, and losing a lot of money. From uh, that was a company out of uh, out of uh, the Boston area. Uh, I worked my way up in that company, got my master's in computer systems, and was actually working on a group that developed technology for their thousand field engineers worldwide. I left there when we had kids because I was commuting every other week and uh, took a went to work for a company in Shreveport called uh, Prasis. From there, I'd used some of my knowledge to develop a, a piece of software that allowed state government to connect with insurance companies. So boilers in uh, equipment blow up and kill kids and people, and so laws were enacted. But the people who govern those laws in states don't actually have the resources to inspect it, so they make the person who insures it inspect it. And so with this big mess related to well, these exist, don't exist, these need to be inspected. So basically state government is managing a process that they don't have control over. Came up with an idea and patented it to create a web-based system that we gave away to the states that then the insurance companies could access in order to mark things inspected and to submit them, save them a bunch of money. Uh, matter of fact, as of about five years ago, that was the only solution in the United States. The last competitor in that went out of business. It was that good in, in that piece. Um, toward the end of that, I had decided one of the problems we had had in Louisiana was finding good software resources. So I took a little four-year sabbatical and said, hey, I'm going to teach school, and I'm going to try to raise up developers that kind of get it all. They get the, the business side, kind of have some experience with cert certifications, and also have the, the degree. And did that for about four years. Knew it was going to be a, a thing I was going to do temporarily. My wife was in healthcare, so I'd kind of said, hey, my next thing I do is going to be in healthcare because healthcare is really screwed up. Uh, early uh, hospital software was really bad. And um, the Dixons came in. They needed somebody to build a new pharmacy system. And uh, they actually brought me in to train their three or four developers to try to, hey, we keep doing this wrong. Can you help us figure out how to do it? Once they heard from some of the things I had to say and said in a couple of classes, they are like, hey, can you just come in and do this for us? And I said, Okay, it has to be the best, has to be wholesaler independent. I had a couple of caveats, and uh, they agreed to that, and here we are. Did your students like you when you were a teacher? Were you a popular teacher? So some of my students liked me. Some of my students did not. Okay. I mean, that's probably true for a lot of, uh, a lot of teachers. And a lot of the ones that liked them were now employees of Pioneer. That is true. <laughs> Uh, I was able to bring along uh, a lot of my, uh, one of the values of that was I knew who was the best in town. So when I built, when started building Pioneer, I was able to cherry pick the people who got not just how to code, but really got the problem, the business problem. And one of the things we really try to push at Pioneer is that the, the developers get the why. They're involved in, in really the business solution. They understand it. They get a cycle back for the reward. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. 
so this next question, I, I'm and I'm at risk of kind of burying the lead by asking the question now because it's I think it's the question. I know it's the first question that hit my mind when I read the news, and you know it's only it's probably five years ago that I from an NCPA perch was pretty vocal that there's too many software systems uh, in pharmacy. And there's even more in medicine, but by too many, the challenge I was seeing was that when employers, payers, plan sponsors wanted to partner with pharmacies, they needed, you have to have the data. You have to have the data or you have nothing. And that's more true today than it's ever been. And with the disparate number of pharmacy systems, it was difficult for pharmacies to have a common denominator, for independent pharmacies, to have a common denominator. And I could see the CVS and the Walgreens being able to go into a health system and say, look, you've got uniformity among my 9,000 stores, and independents couldn't say that. And in fact, it's something we've run into somewhat with the COVID vaccine distribution, that as we've advocated very loudly, because as I've said to many, that when the government, I, I was I, you know, I was invited to help support some of the missions of Operation Warp Speed. And early on, the discussions about pharmacy were front and center. Pharmacy is going to be important. But the way that the government spelled pharmacy was with three letters. And the first one was a C and the last one was an S. Yep. And, and one of their reasons for that is because one of the government's reasons for why they're going to CVS and Walgreens for some of the vaccine distribution is because of the reporting the reporting technology and the uniformity among the reporting. We've been fairly successful in making the case that independents can do that too. But you know, again, one of my thoughts a few years ago was there's just, the systems are too disparate. We need a common denominator among data, uh, data reporting. So there's a little bit of, you know, perhaps be careful what you ask for because we've seen massive consolidation in the pharmacy uh, management system space over the last, say, five or six years. And hearing from our members, some of that consolidation, they're not too happy about as far as the products that are, that, as far as the changes to the products. Um, you know, they, they will, you know, complain to me about some of the, after the consolidation, you know, so the company didn't operate the same. It, it, they weren't, they're, they're not as satisfied, some of them, uh, after the consolidation. So to someone who would say, ah, here we go again, Pioneer's, you know, great company. Um, you know, you're, I don't know how fast you've expanded over the last 10 years, Jeff. I mean, you've probably gone from zero to four or 5,000. I, I don't know how many pharmacies you have, but it's been phenomenal. How, what do you guys, you know, Craig and Jeff, to someone who says, to a, a customer who says, Oh, great. You know, now they're not going to invest. I've got private equity that's just going to want to squeeze as much money as possible out of this deal. Um, you know, I'm not going to have the same product. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. How would you respond to someone with those concerns? So I, the first thing I'd say is uh, hold us accountable, Doug. Um, so uh, set one of these up every six months and and hold us accountable to us doing what we what we say we're going to do um, is the, the first thing. And I always I say, you know, hey, if it's important, measure it. Uh, and and so uh, that, that's kind of the, the the broad, a little bit facetious statement. But I but I'm sincere about that. Um, so things, 
if you look at the two customer bases, of course, some things will change. The first thing to change is, geez, I hope everyone buys a Pioneer system because um, I think they're fabulous. Um, and so, uh, as I told you, um, Jeff is going to be the one that decides what gets developed at Pioneer, not Craig. Um, that's that's the the first thing. I hope Jeff's also doing what I think what I think he's doing. He's building out his team to be able to to be able to do that as well. Because we, we we always don't want it to be just Jeff. We want all the great people behind Jeff, the one ones that are doing it. Because as Jeff continues to grow the business, that's that's a challenge Jeff's going to have uh, to scale, uh, right? And we we hope we make that problem harder for him. Um, and so the service model, technology model, that's Jeff's choice, not Craig's choice. Uh, what what what. Craig will do is try to uh, challenge to continuously improve it uh, and hopefully provide more investment where those decisions uh, make sense. But uh, the Pioneer the Pioneer platform will be the Pioneer platform. We're not combining platforms. That's not what we're doing. In fact, on, on the QS1 side, we've got a next generation uh, long-term care system in development. And before the Pioneer uh, acquisition, I was very worried that we had to have that platform serve both markets. Uh, we've got a very large long-term care uh, base. We've got a large health system base as well. And that, that helps us. We're going to point that that cloud-based solution directly at the long-term term care market. And um, and we're still going to make investments in the QS1 platform for sure. But I'll also be the first to say we're going to lead with the Pioneer platform. Um, but we're not integrating those platforms. I think where we've got a responsibility, as I mentioned earlier, is we've got to create, for lack of a better word, that data lake across the entire installed base. People, people ask me, as soon as Francisco Partners made the investment, before we even uh, acquired Pioneers, well, what are you going to do with the data? My answer is, well, I hope, I hope, sure as heck hope, you make us do something with the data, because that's one of the only things that's going to save and revitalize uh, independent pharmacy, because we're not leveraging the data across, across the platforms well enough. And we are absolutely going to make investments to build data solutions, reporting and, and aggregating solutions across all of the platforms. Without a doubt, yes, we are going to do that because I think that's one of the only ways we're going to drive real clinical services. And more importantly, if you want to prove that those clinical services are better, and we always say that the independent pharmacy market provides the best clinical care, well, we've got to prove it. That means we've got to measure it and we've got to track it. We've got to aggregate it and take it back to the payers and take it back to pharma and take it back to the government and say, see, th this is why you should be treating independent pharmacy like a group, not like a bunch of 20,000 disparate, disparate uh, uh, stores. There's, there's good value in that because I think there's innovation that comes from that, but we've got to show that the best clinical care occurs there. And so I'll, I'll get off my soapbox on that one, but um, I feel very passionately about that. Yeah, Jeff? I think one of the things, if you look at the, the market, Doug, you know, companies sell for multiple reasons, and and I believe strongly that, a matter of fact, one of my success measures was that one of the companies sells that sold. If you talk to their owners, I believe you'll find they sold because of Pioneer, right? They sold because they were at the top of their game and really didn't feel like they'd be successful building a new pharmacy system. Um Pioneer, we don't have to build a new pharmacy system. We have the we've designed a structure where we roll out updates every week. It's it's very current. We got lucky with a, with a couple of different things about how technology roll at the same time. So and and if you look at questions that that Craig and them been having for us is like, hey, is there is there areas that we can accelerate uh, development on 
by putting a little money in. Now, nine women can't make a baby in a month, so you, you can't always accelerate things successfully. You know, you, you've got to use do money correctly and, 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 and those kind of things. But a uh, totally different story here as far as what what position the company's in, the reason it sold. You know, the reason we sold wasn't an owner who developed a company checking out, right? The, the owner of Pioneer didn't develop Pioneer. An employee of Pioneer developed Pioneer. And that employee's not going to a boat, right, and, and taking his, his newfound money and going to a boat. So it, it's different. Uh, I love what Craig said, though, hold us accountable, that's why, uh, you know, having you on this podcast as, as kind of representative independent pharmacy and let you be the watch guard. Let you be the one who screams if it's not going right. Let it be every three months. Let it be, you know, one of the things I've, I've thought about this whole thing is I, I want to get closer to you. I, I want to get closer to Troy and, and that group. Makes me crazy when something happens and I don't know about it and I feel like, hey, I could have helped. Um, it's a good thing about being on the innovation board, but we only meet twice a year. We're only going to do this together. Um, we've got to get, and I would consider, we were successful because of the smart people that we got on board on our platform early. Uh, people like Joe Moose and Amina, uh, people who are big NCPA supporters. And, and we got to put fire on that. Uh, Bill Osborne joined us recently, got a Zoom call with him and, and, and a couple of his store managers this week to talk about Give us your ideas. We, we've got to continually do stuff that matters and try, try to develop the things that are most important to profitability and help them get where they need to go. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to say it out loud and might as well just say it out loud, I want to get rebates out of pharmacy. One of our goals, and if we have to do it with our 9,000 members or whatever, I, would, I, I want pharmacies to be buying on net price. I, I think rebates need to go. It's, it's, it's cloudy. It makes it hard to manage a business, which is already hard to manage. And especially like if you look at the thing in Arkansas, right? Hey, you have to pay me based on my cost, you know, at least my cost and my cost to dispense. Oh, here, look, you paid me less than my cost. Uh, no, that's all funny money. You get a rebate. You got money coming over here. You got money coming in. You got, that's not real. And you're just a cheater. And we don't want to be seen as cheaters. So one of the things I'm be asking for NCPA's help on is too is is trying to talk the the wholesalers into we need to buy on a net price. Well, and then so changing the pharmacy payment model that's been NCPA's mantra for several years now, and part of that, Jeff, is you know as you know is is rebates. Not only the rebates for the pharmacy, but the rebates that the manufacturers are paying. In fact, that's where the lion's share are. But the whole the whole system is just the whole payment system. I mean, Justice Roberts in the Supreme Court called it the PBM payment system, Byzantine. Not sure where he got that word. I don't know. Maybe it was in one of the amici that was, um, that was written, uh, that he read. But Sounds like a Doug it, it word. It, it may be. I don't know. But it is a Byzantine system that has to be uh, made more clear. Jeff, you mentioned, you know, that is a question I had, is from a financial standpoint, I know I assumed, and I'm assuming all your, your the listeners, viewers assumed that, when this deal went down, that that you did okay. I mean, you said I, I was surprised. I thought you had some equity in Pioneer. I didn't. I mean, I just in my mind, I thought, well, maybe you have a five percent stake or something like that. But you you didn't have any. 
I'm not going to ask you, I mean, I know I said no holds barred, no cream puff questions, but I don't think it's fair to ask you how you did, but I'm assuming you did okay on the deal. So why not go buy a boat? You mentioned, uh, why, why not, you know, you're, you're not old enough to retire. You're a young guy, uh, younger every day is how I feel. But uh, why not take your sack of money and, and uh, I don't know, go, go find a, a, a drink with an umbrella and a warm beach? Yeah, so I, I won't be, um, we definitely had a transaction. The Morrison-Dixon family shared a portion of their money that they made. I, there's no equity that Dixon's never shared. I think they had some some early examples of, of having co-ownership in companies, and it was horrible back in the 30s or, or whatever, 30 years ago. Um, but um, they did share some of the, the money with the, the company. I think we had a Matter of fact, uh, we had an amazing, what was it, Friday? Was it, uh, we had a day that everybody was happy. It would be great. And uh, we, uh, Marsha and I called a couple of people on Zoom and told them about their transaction bonuses, and that was really felt good. And Marshall's like, this feels so good. Can we do this every Friday? I was like, I wish we could. <laughs> I wish we could just, just bazzing out money. That always feels good. But, but they were kind, um, certainly con- not kind enough to retire or, or to buy a big boat, but uh but because they're an employee, uh, they treated me good over the years, and I assume Francisco Partners will continue to treat treat me well. But uh, just seemed like an owner because of my excitement about the business and the market. So I can see where one would be confused. But uh, okay, well that's that's yeah. I, w- I was surprised that you didn't have have some some equity piece in the in the deal. You know, going back to what others. What what some of the customers may be wondering about is is the is the price. I mean the cost. You know what their their monthly um, fees. What's um, kind of what's in store for for them. You know what, are they going to be paying more? Are they going to be paying less? What what do you see there for both of you, Craig and, and Jeff? Yeah, our, you know pricing is set based on the market. Uh, Pioneer is not the most expensive system. It's not the cheapest. We kind of build our our. Um, I guess kind of the way we price our product is that we try to eliminate add-ons. You know, we try to to have an environment where most of the stuff that you really need for two reasons. Number one, because the pharmacy system needs to be efficient. But number two, that's one of our strategies for put in the pharmacy system. You save them some money. They don't need this product. They don't need this add-on product. And um, no, so I, I don't see a, an ability... Binary may be amazing. We're the fastest growing pharmacy system in the country, but we're not the only pharmacy system. There are some other good pharmacy systems. There are some other systems with good net promoter scores. Uh, they're not the same pharmacy systems that if you looked back and you and I were talking four years ago and said, hey, the top three are this, they're the top three anymore by, by capability and happiness. Um, one of the problems was taking two of the top ones and combining into the same company, I think. Uh, you know, we took... Uh, with uh, the Red Cell deal, we took Pioneer, the best pharmacy system in the country, and a, a system that's not the best, probably you know one of the the lower systems in the country. Not necessarily though because of of the talent of the people, but just because forty year old technology. QS One was the first pharmacy system in the United States, but today what what takes me a week probably takes them a year. A man year, maybe, and, and that sounds extreme, but maybe true. It, as smart as I might think I am, I don't know that I could have done as good as they've done. So you're going to take some really smart people with a really good history and um, and a really good current product, 
And I think those things will go together well. So Craig, I mean, you mentioned that the systems, the platforms won't come, won't be merged together. Correct. I guess I found that a little bit curious, just, you know, and what Jeff said, I, I, I have heard from, from others. So I, I know we're talking about Pioneer here, but why, what, and you mentioned you're going to invest in QS1. Um, but I guess I'm just curious at that answer that you're not going to put them together because, um, you know, again, from some of the things that, that Jeff just mentioned. Uh, so maybe you mentioned it before, but if you wouldn't mind, I'm, I, I think I missed it. Yeah. Well, why not put them together? Yeah, uh, three or four reasons. One is it would take forever and be really expensive and not end up with an elegant solution. Um, and I think uh, the Pioneer system is is very well integrated, uh, not only uh, the, the, the workflow, but also with the support capabilities. And I don't think uh, a default to Jeff, his technical expertise is greater than mine, but uh, I think you'd end up with a bit of a monster if you tried to integrate uh, those two things and, and you'd solve, solve for the, 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 the least common denominator, not the best customer experience. So that's the first reason. Uh, the second reason is, um, again, if you look at the QS1 customer base, our customer base is a little bit more uh, heterogeneous. And, we've, and, and again, we, we've got the uh, uh, NRX platform. We also have a prime care platform that, that uh, has, a, has a really great position in the long-term care space. And so we're, we're, we're taking our, our, our new investment, net new uh, pharmacy platform, going taking that towards long-term care space because we have a great system here in, in Pioneer. The other, the other two answers, that doesn't mean you won't see us take – uh, for lack of a better word, some ancillary solutions across uh, the platforms. You know, uh, I think we've got to do this work. We haven't been allowed to do this work because we've been under, you know, you got to go through the regulatory process. Right. We're not legally allowed to do this work. But you know, I think I think Jeff and I have a very similar view on um, the patient experience uh, in, in this. And uh, telehealth's here to stay. Mobile's here to stay. How how patients and pharmacists interact is going to transform, and that mobile experience needs needs to uh, innovate as well. And I, I could see us looking and taking a common platform approach across those types of scenarios, and also across maybe uh, some clinical scenarios or or reporting type scenarios. But the core system, I I think we would probably end up with a solution that neither customer base was really happy with. Yeah. So let me, and, and maybe I, I heard that question a little bit differently. So if you look at before Pioneer, the way Craig was headed was to build a new system. They're going to build a from scratch system to replace QS1. Uh, they've got the same base core for their long-term care product and for their retail product. And those are very different. If you look at the the goals of those two systems, they're different. So, so now the plan is, is they can focus on just cre recreating that long-term care product for the long-term care market because they got that next new product for the, the, the uh, community side in Pioneer RX. So for, for those people, you, you, what you won't see is spending those thousand lines of code to do one little change in the QS1 product. You'll see them hardening QS1. You'll see them improving the customer support. QS1, a year ago, if they took it, had 32 different versions. I can't even imagine supporting that. They'll be trying to drive it to one or two versions that, that they can support. And for those people that QS1's working for, they'll try to make it better, stronger, easier to support. For those people who are looking for a new system, rather than leaving and going to one of those other products, 
they're going to hope that they come to Pi- that, that they come to Pioneer X. And, um, you know, we're going to do some things to make that easy. We're also going to wrap the QS1 in some Pioneer X technologies. We're going to take some of our stuff that we really, really do well and maybe put it in the web or put it in some technologies to wrap them uh, that, that make the guy who, who, who QS1 is working for give them some things to work with. Thank, thanks for that. I, you know, I, I think, um, and I think that'll be really interesting because the long-term care community is one of the most solid areas for independent pharmacies right now. I mean, there's, uh, you know, obviously economic pressures everywhere we go, but on the LTC side, it's a way, because you've got this immensely fragile population. We're seeing it with the rollout of the vaccines. We're seeing, you know, hopefully that'll be successful, but we are, you know, early on, we're already seeing some lack of knowledge from the big chains about the, the, the vaccines. And it's the independent pharmacists who, who really know their, their customers. And, you know, as far as knowing the customers and, and, and both of you have mentioned the importance of data and, and being able to manage, manage data, I've, I've mentioned it as well. But one, one uh, that's called a little bit of a sore point for independence that, I, that I've heard over the last, well, all my career since I, cause I've, I've always been in this space is, is on their data. So I, I hear at least once a month, sometimes 10 times a month, just depending on what's, what's trending. Hey, everyone's making, this is an independent pharmacist owner speaking. Hey, everyone, undefined, but everyone's making money off my data. And, um, you know, uh, everyone could include a pharmacy management system, could include pharma, could include some of the intermediaries that, that manage those data. Um, I guess, uh, any thoughts for the audience, uh, you know, any changes as far as the use of what the pharmacy owner believes is their data and that they don't see the benefit of the, the, the use of that or of the sale of those data. Could you guys, you know, share your thoughts on that statement? I mean, is it true? Yeah. A couple of interesting things there. Um, a lot of that concept, I think, comes back five to ten years ago when, uh, you know, there was a, a, a dollar value. People like Symphony Health or IMS would actually pay for data for the manufacturers. Uh, IMS today doesn't pay for data anymore. Matter of fact, it's it's funny. Uh, you have to, you basically have to give data to IMS, but they don't, they're not willing to pay for it. And they have to, IMS has the specialty pharmacy and that kind of thing. If you want to be in specialty pharmacy, if you want the manufacturer reporting. So I, I think people have an illusion about how much money is in data. The, the money in data is proving clinical benefit. Um, you know, one of the things you see Craig talk about, he'd love to see a reverse DRR fee where we're actually paying the, the pharmacy money for things. I'm a little skeptical about that being just data because there's not that much money there, but there's their data related to clinical. Yeah, maybe so. And, and so we have to now there's there's ton of stuff going on in different ways. You know, the, the merit, you know, the, the wholesalers are giving data to manufacturers. There's a lot of data going on for a lot of different different ways. And I, I think that that feeling like this data is super expensive and valuable and I could be making more than I'm making on a script is a is a barrier to some of the things we're talking about doing. 
It's a barrier to the hospitals giving the pharmacy the data they should be. It's a barrier to these health information exchanges that we need. This is a public health issue. This data is not their data. It's the data about the customer. And, and 50% of those customers plus are, are, are paid for by our tax dollars, right? And, and so we've got to get away from this, I'm going to make a whole bunch of money about data and, and really embrace the, we've got to get the data out there. We've got to share what we're doing in such a way. We've got to do collaborative care. And, and if, we, if we can't do that, we're not going to be around, Right. Mm -hmm. If we take this locked up, I don't want anybody seeing my data. You know, one of the positions that, that has been kind of controversial is the backfeed we do for for SureScripts. We feed data back to SureScripts for using an ambulatory care scenario. So you come into the emergency room and you're unconscious. They can pull up and find out what else you're taking. And our point with that is if you don't want to be part of the program, you're not a Pioneer X customer. We don't want you on here because what I don't want is. This hospital, oh, that's a Pioneer X customer. We can't get that information. I don't want a manufacturer saying, oh, yeah, no, if you're a Pioneer X customer, is this a black hole? We can't figure out who, who's using our drug. You know, the money in the end comes from the, the guy who are the, the product. You know, the, the manufacturer has this goal of, of making sure this product, especially in the specialty world, of making sure this product is successful and, and how they continue to improve it and getting this feedback on how they make the next level of it. I think data needs to be a lot more widespread than it is today. And that, that's controversial because everybody's mine and somebody's out there trying to look and steal my customers. You know, if they can steal your customers based on your data, think about what you're doing in your store, not the data. The, the bad guy, the PBM's got your data anyway. And Craig, I want to frame that from a specialty pharmacy, but just before, I mean, there are federal laws that are going to be going into effect. They've been delayed because of the pandemic that open up data to patients. So it's very much patient focused. So it's going to be eye opening for not only pharmacies, but all of healthcare as far as what patients will per federal requirements have access to. So that, that's going to change the world dramatically. But, but Craig, I want to ask a similar question. But you mentioned er, uh, a few minutes ago about specialty and some of the background you have there yeah. and, and how you know, you've been successful in uh, enabling providers in the specialty realm to compete against, really there, there's four specialty companies that have 70%, four specialty pharmacies, all mail order except for one, that have 70% of the specialty marketplace. And three of those four are the big PBMs who mm -hmm. steer the specialty prescriptions to their own mail order pharmacy. It's, it's a big problem for independents. Yeah. How would you see the the new company, Red Sale, with Pioneer, being able to help free up that marketplace to, to allow more specialty patients to walk into their local pharmacy versus being steered into a to UPS or FedEx. Great topic. I'll, I'll use. Well, this isn't a Trellis Arch discussion. I'll, I'll use it specifically for this. Right. So, Trellis Arch just serves health systems, and and part of the strategy there was our belief that mail order is not the right way to treat most of these patients. That the, the time to intervene is in the clinic with a pharmacist is, is how you drive improved outcomes. And, and also with some technology, it's a longer discussion, but so the, the trellis has gone in and has been putting pharmacists in the oncology clinics, the hep C clinics, the HIV clinics, and tracking baseline data and then also 
uh, the data post post implementation, not only for the health system, but also to aggregate across those health systems, because what do you really need? Well, the problem is these health systems are getting locked out of limited distribution drugs. They're getting locked out of, out of the, the uh, pharmacies. And so we've taken that data and put a spotlight on it. And so now our, the Trellis RX customers are getting access to all the LDDs, bar maybe one or two. The commercial uh, payers are opening up their networks to the Trellis RX uh, uh sponsored pharmacies because the clinical data is so compelling. You can't argue with it. And I think that's the same mindset we've got to take into the independent space. We've got to figure out a way to put programs in place if we to, to test our thesis, and particularly with the e-care plans, et cetera, that the place to get care is through independent pharmacy because we'll provide better adherence, we'll provide better uh, clinical advice, whether it be specialty or chronic disease management, which is a great target, in my opinion, in a lot of these rural communities. And I think a real opportunity and obligation uh, uh, for us uh, to, to go after. That's going to require us aggregating a lot of clinical, uh, clinical data and then also clinical solutions. But if we want to open up these networks, you've got to prove that you're going to provide better clinical care. And, and that's going to require data and a lot of it. And Craig and, and Jeff, you guys have both mentioned, you just mentioned aggre, uh, you know, being an aggregator yep. and, um, and, and the importance of being a pharmacy aggregator. And again, whether there's lots of examples where independence, one of the best things about independent is that we're independent, yep. but it's also can be a disadvantage from a, uh, especially in a world where someone wants that single signature authority, you know, a partner, a plan sponsor, a government wants to say, someone take care of this for me with 10,000 pharmacies or 5,000 or 2,000. And whether it's data or other ways, you know, there are ways that independents can still have some of those, those that, that advantage or, or that um, characteristic. Do you see your company as uh, a pharmacy aggregator? I, I think we know the answer to that, but I'll ask that and then also ask, how do you see it relative to CPSN? Do you see it? I mean, it's been a very um, complementary relationship between Pioneer and CPSN. Pioneer has been very helpful to CPSN. We appreciate that. Um, but how do you see things going forward as Red Sale Pioneer as a pharmacy aggregator? Do you see that changing? How, how do you see the relationship between CPSN and Red Sale from the standpoint of being a pharmacy aggregator? Yeah, it's got to improve. When you look yeah. uh, and keep getting better, QS1 and Pioneer, if you had to say who had the best relationship with CPSN, in my opinion, three months ago, you would have said Pioneer and QS1. I could be wrong, but from my view, that's that's who I think. I think you're going to see that that wasn't because it wasn't accidental uh, for either one of those companies. That I think their their goals are aligned. They believe in what CPSN is doing and as an instrument. And I think you're just going to want to put that on, on uh, steroids. I agree with 100% about the technology, though. The The best situation for independent pharmacy today would be if everybody was on the same pharmacy system. If, if that system was benevolent um, and, you know, not trying to extract money from the independents, because exactly that. You, you have to be the thing that can bring these independents together where there are independent is the technology. An example of that is that... Um, you know, three weeks ago, a company came to us and wanted to roll out two clinical programs. We rolled them out two weeks later. 
Um, you cannot do that on most other platforms in the United States today. And we rolled it out. You know, our belief is that a pharmacist has to almost do it accidentally. It has to be in their workflow. They have to almost stumble up on it if they're going to do it and do it successfully. And that's how you kind of can, you know, you hate to use the word control because you're not controlling anybody, but that's how you help them through technology. You, you make it so easy that they almost can't not do it. So related to that, I, one of the complaints I hear from pharmacy management system vendors is, well, I hear actually on both sides, you know, sometimes NCPA is in the middle. We're hearing it from pharmacy management system vendors as corporate partners trying to, you know, working with them to help our members. And we hear it from members. So we'll hear from members. My system doesn't do that. And occasionally we'll hear that with Pioneer, not that often, but we will hear it with, you know, fill in the blank. I wish my system would do that. And then we'll go to you, Jeff, or one of the one of the other um, pharmacy management system vendors and said, yeah, we heard from an independent that said they'd really like for your system to do that. And I would say 95% of the time, the pharmacy management system vendor says, we do do that. We, 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 we've done that. We've had that. You know, we updated that three years ago or, or whatever. And so it's a pretty common, I guess, conundrum that the systems can do more than what the user knows or the, what the user is using them for. How do you see the combined company? Is there a way to solve that? Is there a way to solve? I mean, it's not a new problem. Is there a way to solve for? Yeah, when you when you figure it out, help me. Tap. Any ideas yeah. you have, help me. So that's I, I the, can't tell you how many healthcare industries have the same exact problem. Yeah. No, um, as always around here, we say it doesn't matter how amazing we are. If nobody uses it, then, um, you know, we, we stumble across uh, Chris Cornelson. I don't know if you know him. Cornelson tells a great story. He, he went into a pharmacy and uh, he does a lot with uh, nutrition supplements. And he gave them some ideas that actually made them a lot of money. And while he was there, he went in a room and there was their whiteboard and stuff on the whiteboard. And he's like, what is, what is this room? And he's like, oh, this is our med sink room. He's like, really? You have Pioneer. Let me, let me show you some things. And he, they showed him some, he showed them some things about how they should do doing their workflow to do MedSync and Pioneer. And, and the guy about two months later sent him a thank you card, handwritten thank you card. Oh, wow, I'm getting this thank you card. He's thanking me for all the money I'm making. Nope, he thanked him for helping him with MedSync. So, uh, and, and it kind of tells you the example there is that, you know, a lot of times the, the day and the lot, you know, helping me with, he, he, he changed it. Putting a little money in his pocket wasn't as important as changing his life and, and the day and how it felt in the pharmacy and, and stuff like that. But we run up on that again and again and again, and we're constantly thinking about how do we get more people? How do we get more than 50 or 100 people in our webinar? How do we get more than, you know, 500 of our 45,000 users uh, at our, at our connect conference to learn, you know, how do we interrupt them? And some of that's going to be training and some of that is going to be just the systems just got to do it. Great example out of CPSN. They had somebody who was just killing it for care plans. They were really just knocking it out of the park. Not only just the fact that they were submitting them, but the quality of what they were writing. And so a group there got together and, and, and contacted them and said, Hey, you guys are doing a great job. What are you doing to do this so well? And they were like, uh, we didn't know we were doing care plans. <laughs> and, and what's funny is the first response from CPSN, from the clinical people was, oh, no. If there wasn't pain, it's not any good, right? <laughs> if you didn't suffer, you're not providing quality. But you go back and you go, no, look at what they're providing. 
they were doing their job. They were recording their interactions in MedSync. They were recording it in the system where it worked for them to store it for what they were doing. They're being good clinical pharmacists. And that stuff was just taking care of itself. And that's what we got to do more of. And that's where we got to take that next step in investment and getting smart people and really thinking, how does it just happen? How do they trip into it? How do they, if they're doing their job and they're doing it well, which we think they all are, how do we have that their job fall into their pathway in such a way that they, that they do these amazing things? And hey, welcome to, that's as important to doing us as, 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 as changing how the employees clock in for X is really helping them with a common technology to, 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 to do the things better, just the course of what they're doing. And you, as you mentioned, in workflow. Yep. In workflow, so it's easy. And then also, a lot of times our members, and you know this, they don't realize it's there until they need it. There's pain. There's pain, and they say, uh-oh, I, I need this, I want this. And that's when the learning moment happens. But to their, again, to their defense, uh, there's they're just bombarded with so much information that I think to the extent that information can be consolidated to say, this is the most important thing you need to do. I think that's helpful to members. I know that's something that, that we talk a lot about at NCPA because we know there's, you know, the, the owner's getting hit from all sides with information and it's hard to filter sometime which thing is, is the most important thing. So, um, but yeah, tapping into the full potential of the system but is- We, uh, we also got to continue the soft skills support for the pharmacies and and teaching classes about how to establish goals and how to plan things you know how to say this week what's the not to try to do too many things you know what's the one thing i'm going to do this week to make my pharmacy better you know not just get into this i'm just you know walking around the court dribbling the ball right i'm 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 you know and and some of that's going to be the getting them you know trying to connect more people one of the reasons we're doing these podcasts is try to connect people to be inspired to learn those things, to make changes, to connect them with people like you and and Amina and and um, who who are really doing stuff and really dedicating themselves to the profession. Um, and and so just to follow uh, on CPSN, you you see that partnership continuing to 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 grow that synergy, Craig. I guess do you yeah. is that what you see? Yeah, yeah, I think it's critical actually. So just as um, just we kind of wind down here a little bit. Um, you know, you both have mentioned the book Good to Great as being influential in your uh, careers. And, you know, as I, I love that book, too. And as I look back at it, you know, it's gotten a little bit dated, but I think a lot of the fundamentals are still true. You know, Jim Collins also wrote another book called Built to Last. Great book, too. Also a great book. And in that book, it talks about the importance of you know, it gives some examples of companies that really were built around the personality of, of, of a leader. As I recall, I think like Jack Welch from General Electric was, was one of the examples where the company flourished under him. And when he left, it, it didn't. And so, you know, in this podcast, we've talked a lot about, you know, not to build you up too much, Jeff, um, but the importance of you. Uh, to to this transition transit transaction and to this transition and to to the company so you know learning from Jim Collins books what's the plan so that's great that Jeff's here Jeff's a visionary 
partnering with you, Craig, on the strategic side. I like that comparison that you made. But what are you putting in place for this company to be there in, you know, five years, 10 years from now? You know, Jeff, one day you will retire, no time soon. But what are you putting in place? And as a corollary follow-up, private equity companies are not known for holding companies for a long time. So where do you see things going both for a company really foundationally built around a visionary of one person with a great team and owned by private equity that, you know, at some point they're going to, you know, they're going to flip the company at some point. I mean, that's what private equity firms do. 100% certainty someday Francisco Partners will not own this company. We may be public. We may spend the company public. We may, we may take it private with some management, but with 100% certainty it's true. I think there's a couple things. One is uh, actually very early on, Jeff and I were, were chatting about this because when when you, you know put yourself in Francisco partner shoes, when when we go to buy Pioneer and you're doing the due diligence, and you know I listened to a bunch of podcasts, I listened to the podcast he did with you, et cetera, et cetera. You got in the marketplace, you talk to customers. Jeff's a very uh, a very provocative personality uh, in the space. As as Francisco partners, you go, hmm, uh oh, what what do we do if Jeff gets hit by a bus next week? Well, if Jeff gets by that bus next week, we got problems. But what we don't talk a lot about is the great team right behind Jeff. Um, we probably should do a better job doing that. Um, and uh, I think there, there are two things that, that I would highlight. And, and very early on, I actually asked Jeff that, that same question. Like, so Jeff, you know, five years from now, you may or may not want to be doing this. You may want to go do your next startup. Um, I've got a responsibility to really think about that. And you've got a responsibility because you've built a great business. And you only get to do that a couple times in your life. And uh, I know from talking to Jeff, because I think he thinks about the same thing that I do, that, that's a really important, prideful thing. You, you want the company that you built to continue to perpetuate beyond, beyond uh, your, your time with it. So we gotta, we got to think about that, number one. The, the area you mentioned very early on where uh, Jeff and I's relationship, which has been re really terrific, and, and I also think he and I will debate a lot, which I think will be uh, core to us being successful. If we're not, people should really worry. Um, but one of the things, Jeff will talk uh, a lot about people over process. Um, and, and I think that's that's very true to how Jeff has built the company. Um, I'm very much people and process. And I, and I think part of the way you build the last as you continue to grow is you've got to do both, but you've got to have really great talent. Um, and I, I think the answer to, to the question if, is, is someone who just came in kind of as the outsider observing and learning from the pioneer businesses, we were trying to think about the investment is, you know, talk to Jeff's leadership team. It, it isn't just Jeff. He's, he's got a brilliant team that, that we've got to make sure we're developing uh, and continuing to invest in would be my, my other answer. Jeff. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hundred percent there. So um, yeah, we, I have a great group that's been with me a lot of some of them the whole time. Uh, the girl over, uh, customer uh, service was uh, one of my students. She's a programmer who went on to get her MBA. She's amazing. You know, so you just, I, 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 they would not have, have, have purchased the company had the, it just been a Jeff Key show. So there is depth in it. Uh, there's depth that we want to continue to develop and they've got a great group to help us do that. So super, super talented group that they have. And I think that'll, uh, we're all going to school and it's going to be uh it's going to be exciting. To me, I, again, Doug, I, I know you had some hesitation in doing this because 
you didn't want this to be a powder puff piece, but I, I really appreciate you doing it. I know you're a busy guy. Again, thank you for all the work you did on the Supreme Court case. That's incredible. Uh, I know you do way more than that with, with lots of wins for independent pharmacy and uh, appreciate it. And I want us, I'm sincere about, I want our relationship on steroids. I know we do a lot of stuff together, probably kicked off with, I think Marsha and I came to see you guys about four or five years ago and uh, set up there, but we really cannot do this by ourselves. Uh, the whole concept of not doing this by ourselves is why we we uh, went with Red Cell, and uh, we can't do this without uh, really working close together with the other people who really care about independent pharmacy. Well, we you know agree with that a hundred percent, and I think this has been good. Both the podcast you guys did with me a couple months ago, and then this podcast for getting to know each other a little bit from you know. A, a, personal level. I think that's been, that's been good. Craig, it's a real pleasure to get to, to beat you. And just for, for both of you, to the extent the, I was able to find some background research on, on you that helped me get to know you as, as a human, yeah. uh, which was, which is, which is good. I think that's always good to know each other on a human level. So yeah, so, we can't, we can't do it by ourselves, whether it's red sale or NCPA, it's got to be, we're too, uh, any one of us is too small to do it ourselves. So if I can help you, just don't hesitate to call. We, we want to do this together. Thank you for listening to this Catalyst podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow PioneerX on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.